trigger warning. The following episode contains references to human suffering, death, factual inaccuracies, several entitled people making light of all these things. If any of the aforementioned topics cause you discomfort, you may want to listen to a different episode. My favorite magician is Carr. I'm Adam. Important magician tip. Check your props. I'm Kelly. So where on the map do you want me to show my French magic? Well, Marabouts. I'm Andy. (laughs) That was dumb. (laughs) (laughs) Andy, you're fired from the podcast. Oh. You're all just sitting there. Will no one help this poor woman? I'm Sean, and this is Acid Pop. Hello, everyone, and welcome back. Today, we're going to be talking about magic. It's magic, Squidward. Sorcery. I tap my planeswalker. (laughs) Can't do that. They have summoning sickness. I do it anyway. (laughs) So magic comes from Greek magique, meaning the art of influencing or predicting events and producing miracles using hidden natural forces. Quite a word. Yeah, that's a long-winded way of saying we don't know how this works. (laughs) Magique. Magic. It's magic. Oh, whoa. So no one is really sure where Hocus Pocus comes from, but a lot of theories think it's garbled Latin from either hoc est corpus muum, meaning this is my body, or hicus docius, <laughs> which is a name for jugglers. I didn't know garbled Latin was an option. Not to be confused with hicus dorcus, who is Larry the Cable Tag. <laughs> <laughs> That's a species. Or hicus est doctus, meaning here is a learned man. <laughs> Here's one. (laughs) Or maybe holus bolus, meaning all at once. (laughs) Abracadabra is another word that we're not really sure where it comes from, but it could be from Aramic avracadabra. That does sound close. Yeah. Meaning I will create as I speak, which is pretty cool. That's cool. Or Hebrew abben ruach akudush, meaning father, son, and the Holy Spirit, which that's kind of... Jesus made this! (laughs) (laughs) Or possibly Chaldean, Abade Kadabada, meaning perish like the word. The heck is Chaldean? Oh, God, no, that's a curse. Yeah, a lot of these basically seem to say, like, somebody heard this and they didn't know what it meant, but they thought it sounded cool. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Also, maybe someone was just making up gibberish. Yeah. <laughs> somebody hit their toe and came up with a nonsense word. Dabra, Kadabra. <laughs> <laughs> didn't want to swear in front of their kids. <laughs> Friggin' Shazam! (laughs) So in our unappreciated genius episode, we learned about rabdophobia, which is fear of rods. And this phobia does double duty as fear of the magician's wand. Ooh. It's a lot of innuendo there. (laughs) I don't think this is as common today, but fear of witches and spells fell under this phobia. So it used to be pretty widespread. I'm not afraid of any witch. 
Or no ghost. <laughs> Which are also witches. I'm terrified of witches. Yeah. Witches are people, and I'm terrified of people. <laughs> We're not going to get into the science here. I'm not really going to go into how some magic tricks work, because that's actually very hard to look up. But <laughs> They don't want you to know that. It's true. So we'll move on to our acid pop quiz, which is very short this week, but we've got a lot of stories to make up for it. So true or false. Magic is real. <laughs> true. It's illegal to own a rabbit in Australia unless you can prove you're a magician. I feel like that's mm. true because it's an invasive species. Yeah, they have a lot of problems yeah, with rabbits there. They have there. problems with rabbits. I'm going to say I'm going to say that's false because it's illegal to own a rabbit even if you are a magician. Mm. But how can you stop a magician from conjuring a rabbit? Oh, God. <laughs> as soon as they get through airport security, they pull a rabbit out and then all the police jump them. <laughs> Leap us to <laughs> In Russia, it's illegal to own a magician unless you are a rabbit. <laughs> it's illegal not to eat that rabbit. Yeah, this is true. And you guys had it. Australia is hit hard by invasive species, and rabbits are one of the worst. So to try and stop their spread, it's illegal to own a rabbit in Queensland, and the fee for getting caught with one is $45,000. Wow. The only exception is magicians who use them for stage performances. So before they can get one, there's a lengthy process where they have to show their credentials, prove they have secure enough enclosure, and have an action plan for what to do if the rabbit escapes. And perform a magic trick. Sterilize the rabbit. <laughs> You'd think uh, they'd start like importing magicians to Australia to deal with the rabbit. <laughs> to make all the rabbits disappear. <laughs> and then the yes. rabbits are gone. <laughs> my God, he's a miracle worker. This way into my hat, all of you. <laughs> You'll have a wonderful life in America. Then the rabbits are neutered, microchipped, and given along with a permit that needs to be renewed every two years. Stall a cyanide capsule into one of their front teeth. <laughs> yeah. Some pretty heavy security on rabbits in Australia. Flopsy, if anyone should find you, bite down on your right molar. <laughs> <laughs> if you leave this zone, the collar around your neck will explode. <laughs> So true or false, the CIA once hired a magician to teach them how to be sneaky. God, it sounds so true, doesn't it? <laughs> Are magicians sneaky? Mm -hmm. Aren't they? The sneakiest. That's their whole thing. They're like overtly sneaky. I mean, they're tricksy. Maybe I used the wrong word. Okay. Uh, I'm still going to say false. I'll say true. And if you can hear the ice cream truck outside, prize for you. Then you'll know why we leave our microphones in a moment. Uh, true, I guess. Hold on. Kelly's fetching me some juice. Magic juice? <laughs> we'll see. Doesn't want me to die on air, but think how good that would be for our ratings. <laughs> Tonight on a very special episode of Acid Pop. Thank you. Do you have an actual ice cream truck that goes past here? Yeah. Because at our, at our new place, it's just a white van with coolers in the back. That's not good. <laughs> <laughs> Don't get into that van, Adam. They've got red dripping down the sides of the coolers. I think it's strawberry. Uh, he said I just need to lean in a little bit farther to get the drumstick that I wanted. Okay. So this is true. Magician John Mulholland was commissioned by the CIA to teach them sleight of hand. He also wrote them a manual called the Official CIA Manual of Trickery and Deception. <laughs> <laughs> That's a book I wouldn't mind reading. Yeah, I know, right? So this was done in the 1950s, and the techniques inside were used to sneak LSD into drinks as part of MK Ultra. Stop! <laughs> this is not a magic trick, it's a crime! <laughs> not so much magic tricks as it is date rape. <laughs> so we only have one more question, it's a fill in the blank. So David Copperfield is the most commercially successful magician of all time. 
How much has he grossed in his life? 50 million. 1 million? Mm, I'm going to go between the two. 25 million. Yeah. Well, he has sold over 33 million tickets and grossed over $4 billion. Wow. He did make the uh, Statue of Liberty disappear. It's true. Yeah. And I found this little story that I had to share. In 2006, in Palm Beach, Florida, Copperfield and two assistants were walking back to their tour bus when some men held them up at gunpoint. I think I've heard this one. (laughs) The two assistants handed over their purses, but using sleight of hand, Copperfield turned out all of his pockets in his pants and coat, showing the robbers that they were empty. (laughs) He, in fact, had a phone, a passport, and a wallet on him. David. And then he made their bullets disappear. (laughs) Dropped them all out of his hands. There's something behind your ear, young man. (laughs) It's a taser. (laughs) (laughs) And that concludes our acid pop quiz. Mind free. (laughs) I want to see somebody try to rob Chris Angel. (laughs) I feel like it might be easy. So we're on to our stories, and I have divided these up into several categories, but normally I'd uh, let you guys pick which categories we do, but this time I've got a, uh, I want to go through them in a certain order. So He's got a map. I do. An adventure <laughs> planned for us. Wow. A magic map? <laughs> yep. So we're going to start with sharp things. So Princess Tenko is a Japanese magician. She had a great trick where she was sealed into a box and moments later, 10 swords would pierce the box. Ah. One night she was moving a little slow and didn't quite make it out of the box in time. Uh Luckily, the swords weren't sharp, but they were still hard. So she broke several ribs and her right cheekbone. Oh, (laughs) (laughs) and I'm still here. (laughs) She kept the show going for another half hour, but she finally threw in the towel and went to the hospital. (laughs) What a professional. Yeah. (laughs) I'll make my teeth reappear. (laughs) There they are on the ground. (laughs) Yeah. So Pan Zebek was a semifinalist on Poland's Got Talent. Pan Zebek. Yep. His name. I feel like if you say it backwards, it means something, and then he disappeared. <laughs> <laughs> then you have dominion over him. <laughs> he was doing so well, he was invited onto a live morning talk show. The trick he presented on the show was a version of the shell game. He had four paper bags, but he put a very large and pointy nail face oh, no. up in one of the sealed no. bags. Oh, no. <laughs> He's about to give himself stigmata, isn't he? <laughs> he shuffled them and proceeded to forcefully smash two of the bags. Oh, no. <laughs> so confident in this trick was he that for this talk show, rather than smashing the bag himself, he took the host Marzena Rogalaskas oh, and, and smashed it onto the bag. Unfortunately, this time he got a little mixed up. As a result, he slammed Marzena's hand down on the nail, pushing it all the way through oh, her wow. hand. Is it possible he secretly really didn't like this talk show? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, it's my ex-girlfriend. I want to end my career somehow. <laughs> the enthusiastic magician suddenly grows very serious and quietly says, I spiked you. And the show cut to commercial. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you've done been spiked. So yeah, they actually, uh, there were 
amazingly no hard feelings. And the uh, <laughs> the hostess, after getting back from the hospital, was like, I'm okay. It was just an accident. So well, a hole in the hand's not terrible. Yeah, I can whistle through my palm now. Yeah. <laughs> that should heal. <laughs> now when I cover my eyes to play hide and go seek, I know where everyone goes. <laughs> So these days, cutting a woman in half is just par for the course. Everyone's seen this trick, but it wasn't always such a cliche. Boring. In 1936, George Lalande was touring with his wife, apparently cutting her in half over and over again, astounding audiences with this new feat. But some people aren't just going to sit around and watch some poor woman get cut in two for entertainment. <laughs> some people have morals. <laughs> you know, I won't stand for this. How dare you? Somebody <laughs> save that woman. So while performing in Montreal, unsung hero Henry Howard rushed on stage, snatched the sword from Lalande, and stabbed him in the neck with it before he could oh. commit the gruesome deed. <laughs> Ta-da! <laughs> Lalande survived, and Howard told the police that he just couldn't bear to see a woman cut in two. <laughs> I, I, feel, I feel like this would be the advertising poster, though. Yeah. <laughs> I thought it was going to be a story where she was like, I want a divorce and I want half of everything. He was like, fine, fine. <laughs> so I really tried to find some follow-up to the story, but I couldn't find out if they stopped performing the trick or if Howard went to jail or what. So that was all I could figure out. They all sat down and had a laugh about it. Yeah. <laughs> it's, a, it's a damn magic trick, son. <laughs> so our next category is failed escapes. So Bill Shirk was an escape artist and he was a good one. He held several world records, including the fastest time to escape from a straitjacket. Hmm. If you didn't know, Houdini died on Halloween 1926. Shirk decided to perform a new version of his famous trick by being buried alive on the anniversary of Houdini's death in 1992. Uh -oh. <laughs> now, normally this is done with dirt, but Shirk decided to up the ante by using cement. That's what I thought you were going to It's going to be a lot harder to dig out of. Yeah. Unfortunately, he hadn't done his math, and the plexiglass coffin he was in buckled oh, no. under the weight. Oh. There's a video of this, and it's pretty scary. Cement is being poured into a grave when suddenly a huge air bubble blurps oh. up, and the cement sinks another foot. People dove in and pulled Shirk out, and he was okay. So, he pulled through. Okay. Thank God. He didn't all of a sudden turn into a statue? Yeah, yeah. he didn't. Didn't get frozen in carbonite. <laughs> Upset Houdini's ghost. Yeah. <laughs> so sadly, this was not the case for Joe Burris or the amazing Joe. He did the exact same thing on the anniversary of Houdini's death two years earlier. Stop doing this. <laughs> he had done this trick using dirt, but thing is, cement weighs more than dirt. So his glass coffin cracked and he was entombed in concrete before people could save him. Ooh. You'd think the second guy would have done the research and realized yeah, this right? was a problem. <laughs> I mean, suffocation, but with the with the relaxation of a weighted blanket. Yeah. So last buried alive story here. Janaka Bazniake was an escape artist who held the world record for being buried alive. In 2012, he decided to break his own record. This never goes well. <laughs> yeah. as, we've learned, well as, as we've gone over on the show, anytime you're like, my own record, fuck that. Yeah. <laughs> Terrible idea. He was buried for eight and a half hours, and when they cracked open the coffin, he was pretty much dead. <laughs> 
They rushed him to the hospital, but it was too late to save him. Oh, yeah. He's been dead for hours. You'd think he would have at least upped his record, but the record was buried alive. So sadly, this did not count. Oh, (laughs) (laughs) Oh, yeah. Tons of people got buried dead. Yeah. I mean, there's guys who had that record for what? A couple hundred thousand years now? St. Francis of Assisi over here. (laughs) So a lot of magicians reproduce acts by the man himself, Harry Houdini, and one of his tricks was to get locked into a giant milk can and then make his escape. Milk can? Milk can, yep. Okay. So the amazing Janesta made his living performing this trick. In it, he would climb into this giant milk container It would be filled with water. I guess milk was too expensive to use over and over again. (laughs) And stinky. Yeah. And the lid would be sealed. Then as the tension grew, Janesta would magically appear somewhere else on stage to great cheers. His secret was his custom-built milk can with an escape hatch towards the back at the top. However, while traveling to a show in 1930, the can had been dropped and dented the side, sealing the hatch shut. That night, as he performed his trick, the tension just kept building until (laughs) after several minutes, someone cautiously approached and peered inside. (laughs) Anytime you want to surprise us. (laughs) And there was Janesta floating inside like a dead beta fish. He was rushed Uh to the hospital and roused briefly, but could not be saved. Did I do it? And our last escape story here, Charles Rowan was an escape artist who went by the stage name Carr. His specialty was getting out of a straitjacket in dangerous situations like underwater or the more portable option while a car sped towards him. No, oh, geez. Oh, come see the amazing car and the guy that gets hit by it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> He'd done this trick many times, but in 1930, he was a bit off his rhythm. As a result, he couldn't get out of the way in time, and the car ran him down. His leg was just about ripped off in the accident, and he died shortly after. Couldn't he have jumped out of the way? Yeah, I think his his legs should have still worked, so I don't know what was (laughs) going on there. I feel like like if you're a magician who's doing like these death-defying stunts, and you have like a cold or something, that's really all it's going to take. Take a day off. So later, when people were going through his things, they found a letter addressed to the driver of the car telling him that it wasn't his fault if things went wrong and not to feel bad, which I Uh think was a cool thing to do. It's a letter saying, I'm sorry I slept with your wife. Get over it. (laughs) (laughs) And our final category of stories here is Fire. Oh, the most magical of all the elements. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's true. <laughs> I mean, wind is nice, but fire. So here's the thing about magic tricks. You can't copyright them. You can come up with something awesome, but if someone else figures out how you did it, well, then there's two people who can do it. So the only way magicians have of keeping their tricks proprietary is to guard their secrets very, very closely. With fire. Murder. Yeah. Sometimes under the right conditions, a magician will buy a trick from another magician. So John Miller was a magician who went by the stage name Balabrega. He was a talented magician in the late 1800s. He even toured with Houdini. And while he was good, he felt that he needed something bigger. He found it in another magician named Harry Rochler. In Rochler's act, a fire would be lit on stage and six women dressed as moths would make their way towards it. As the women reached the flame, they would be consumed in flames. And when the flash cleared, they would be gone. Balabrega loved this trick, but he couldn't figure out how it was done. It does sound really cool. Yeah. He finally broke down and bought the trick from Reclair, and with his newly perfected show, he went on tour. 
Now, the secret to this trick was a large supply of gas. In most places, <laughs> this wasn't a problem, what with gas lanterns and gas stoves, but when his tour took him to Brazil, they didn't have enough gas available for his trick. He was already booked, though, so he had to figure something out. He decided to make the act portable with bags filled with acetylene. Should be just as good. Yeah. Acetylene is also flammable, but significantly more explosive than gas. <laughs> On the opening night for his show in Jao Peso, he was doing a stage rehearsal with his handy-dandy bag of welding fuel when it caught on fire and blew Balabrega and his assistant to bits. Ooh. And that was the end of Balabrega. I guess it's better than it blowing up six women in front of an audience. At least he tested it first. Yeah, yeah. <sighs> He only blew up one woman. So this story is a crazy one. Sigmund Neuberger was a magician in the early 1900s who went by the Great Lafayette. He had a lot of tricks, but his most famous was to be locked in a cage with a lion, and the lion would pace around and stalk Lafayette. Then, right as the lion pounced, Lafayette would disappear. The lion would stand up, remove its head, revealing that it was Lafayette in a costume. Okay, that's pretty cool. (laughs) So one night while performing in Edinburgh, one of the decorative lanterns caught the theater he was performing in on fire. The trouble is Lafayette was so paranoid about someone sneaking in and stealing the secret to his trick, he had the doors of the theaters locked, leaving only Uh, one way out of the theater. So Lafayette made it out, but 11 people died in the blaze. Lafayette realized his favorite show horse was still inside and rushed back into the burning theater. He died as well. Oh my god, duchess. (laughs) So his body was recovered and cremated. Then, while they were renovating the theater, they opened a trap door and found Lafayette's body again. (laughs) The prestige. (laughs) It turns out that the secret to his trick was the use of a body double, which was probably who he was actually rushing back in to try and rescue. Uh Sadly, they They both died in the fire. Took his secrets with him. I guess points for going back in to rescue the other dude. Yeah. And uh, that was our last category, but we do have a few stories here from things that didn't quite fit into a category. So this next trick is the one story I wanted to talk about with the famous bullet catching trick. So in the early 1800s, there was a magician named Delinsky who toured with his wife, who was also his assistant. Their most famous trick was for Madame Delinsky to catch not one, not two, not three, but six bullets fired at her at the same time. Big mouth. Yeah. Well, at the start of this trick, Delinsky asked for volunteers from the audience who had served in the military. He would acquire six such men, and each would go through the lengthy process of loading a gun, which at the time was to bite open a cartridge, pour powder down the barrel, add the bullet, tamp everything down, and then fire. Oh, don't worry. I brought my own loaded gun. (laughs) So as the explosives rang out and the smoke cleared, Madame Delinsky would be standing unharmed with six bullets in her hands. Ah. So she'd snatch him out of the air. What a terrifying woman. (laughs) (laughs) Say it. (laughs) So the guns and the soldiers were real, but they were shills paid to perform every part of loading the gun except adding the bullet. The act was a huge hit, and in 1820, they were invited before the royal family to perform. The royal family has its own soldiers. (laughs) (laughs) Unfortunately, one of the shills got nervous in front of royal people. Oh, no. <laughs> and a bullet and then, oh, shit. I don't want to be arrested. 
Unwittingly, he fell back on reflex and loaded his gun properly. From a range of only a few feet, he fired directly into the abdomen of Madame Delinsky. Ta-da, she caught it with her stomach. <laughs> As if that weren't bad enough, she also happened to be pregnant at the time. Oh, no. no. So both Madame Delinsky and her child died. Delinsky never performed again and eventually went mad over both their deaths. I'm I'm upset with saying this, but presto fetus. (laughs) (laughs) The baby caught the bullet. As they're doing the autopsy, the bullet falls out of the baby's hand. (laughs) (laughs) Presto. (laughs) And only the doctor applauds. (laughs) Oh, wow. So Benjamin Rucker had a shtick. He was an African-American magician who went by the stage name Black Herman. He performed in the early 1900s at a time when it was not a great idea to be black in America. Instead of downplaying his heritage, he boasted about it. His stage name and his act were to promote black culture. His tricks were secrets learned from African shaman. His escape tricks were the same ones used by slaves to escape their oppressive masters. And most importantly, he had achieved a secret only attainable to black people. Immortality. I'm worried about this man's safety. (laughs) (laughs) He boasted about this one all the time as he did deadly stunts. His most famous of which was to be buried alive for days. Then, when the coffin was exhumed and found to be empty, he would stride out of the audience, lead everyone to the closest theater, and astound them with more tricks. (laughs) (laughs) He was so famous for being immortal that when he collapsed of a heart attack on stage, no one believed he was actually dead. As the day stretched on, his assistant tried in vain to convince everyone that no, for real, he really was dead this time. (laughs) Note how he's starting to rot. Oh, no, 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 watch this. That's the best part. He's going to stand up. (laughs) Finally, to make the point crystal clear and to squeeze a last few bucks out of Black Herman, his assistant charged people 10 cents to see his dead body. Poke dead Herman with a stick. (laughs) Come see the immortal dead man. (laughs) Immortal, I told you. (laughs) Thousands showed up to see for themselves that he really, really was dead this time. Several people even poked him with pins to try and get a reaction. But the career of Black Herman was truly at an end. And our final story here. Most of these stories are just accidents. People got cocky or things went wrong. But our last story is a case of magic used for evil. Ooh. This is is a story from one of the fathers of the craft of magic. A man whose name has unparalleled rhythm, Gene Eugene Robert Houdin. (laughs) Wow. His name is magic. (laughs) Don't say it it two more times. (laughs) He was born in France in 1805. He started life as a clerk and was apprenticed to a clockmaker. One day he ordered a book on repairing clocks, but mistakenly received a book on magic tricks. He became obsessed with this book and soon started to perform magic. With his background as a clockmaker, he made little gadgets to help with the tricks and before too long was one of the most famous magicians in the world. Yeah, I'll bet. You know this is the story of Urza from Magic the Gathering. (laughs) (laughs) Harry Houdini's name is an homage to Houdin. Toward the end of Houdin's life, France was starting up some colonies in Africa, meaning that they were cutting bullshit deals and robbing the locals blind. This was going okay, but there was a group of Islamic people called the Marabouts that were not yielding to ministrations. The Marabouts motivated their tribes through the use of magic. They weren't convinced by much else. 
a French general decided that the only way to pacify these tribes was to show them that French magic was stronger. So he started the magical mission. Ooh. He recruited Houdin to convince the locals that French magic was more powerful. Man, how cool is that to have like a, it's like an officer in the military whose job is to be magic. Yeah. <laughs> to do this, Houdin used an old favorite of his. He had a stage with a large electromagnet underneath. He had a metal box that was covered in wood to look like a wooden chest. Now, in the past, he would turn on the magnet and invite people on stage to try and lift the box. After they failed, he would secretly kill the magnet and then lift the box easily. This time, though, he invited the strongest warriors from the tribe and told them to lift the box. They did so easily. Uh Uh-oh. He then told them that he was going to zap their strength, and then he told them to lift the box again. Oh, no. They couldn't. Oh, no. (laughs) On one occasion, one warrior got more and more angry and eventually tried to rip the box apart. Give it back. (laughs) Expecting this, Houdin had rigged the box to deliver an electric shock if it was tampered with. The warrior didn't know what electricity was, so he thought it was magic. He ran screaming from the theater. Jeez. After these events, the tribes meekly agreed to anything the French asked them to do. Wow. Yeah. That's so crazy. <laughs> and that was the last of the stories that I had. All science is magic if you look at it. Yeah. yeah. All electricity is magic. I mean, magic is really just a, like I said, it's a way of saying, I don't know how that works. And that's that's the whole point of magic. You do something that people don't understand. They're like, that's amazing. Right. And that's the whole quote, right? Sufficiently advanced technology is indistinguishable from magic. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I, saw, I saw Penn and Teller do a bullet catch. Oh, really? It's their famous bullet catch. Yeah. Where they put the panes of glass and then have somebody sign the bullet and they catch the ones. Yeah. I saw the video of it. It's crazy. Their whole act was wild, though. Like uh, at the beginning of the show, they had they were handing out old books and they were like, everybody who takes a book, I want you to put your finger in a page and just sit there. And they, they finally picked a guy at random. I was like, OK, read me a passage from your book. And as he was reading it, they just unveiled the thing that he was reading, huh. which is probably a plant thing. But yeah, maybe yeah, I there were a couple stories about bullet catches and you know, most of the time it's it's literally a trick. Like they've already got the bullet when the you know, the whole thing starts. But there were a few people that legitimately tried to catch a bullet. And yeah, that, that didn't work out so hot. I think uh yeah, David Blaine. He tried to do it and he basically had like a metal thimble in his mouth and that was what was gonna stop the bullet. But and yeah, it didn't work out so hot. <laughs> like the it just pushed the <laughs> just back. choked on a thimble. Penn and Teller have a disclaimer on theirs. Yeah. Where mm-hmm. it's like, if you try this, we're not responsible. Yeah. Yeah. And and they, they say they, they've gotten theories where it's like, oh, no, they put less gunpowder in that bullet. It's enough, what? It's enough to move it across the room. Yeah. But how do you practice catching a bullet? Like, there's no, like, <laughs> practice guns. You judge your hand, you catch it. Yeah. Watching uh, Mythbusters has pretty much, like, ruined that trick for me forever. Because if, like, anything gets in the way of a bullet, it just, like, turns into play-doh it just smooshes into nothing yeah. like there's no even way the bullets of, yeah like that's what i mean the bullets turn into oh play-doh. yeah yeah so there's i don't think there's any way to stop a bullet without it just turning into mush right when i was in i think it was fifth grade my teacher there i don't feel like teaching today solution was to put on that masked magician who shows you how magic tricks work I loved that when I was a kid. <laughs> yeah. yeah i watched that like I feel like it was dozens of times that like, which feels unfair to make you watch that at school. Yeah. Like, like you're ruining yeah. the, the mystery. You're learning. 
But I, I thought it was so cool when I was a kid. I was like, oh, now I'm going to know and I can do it. Yeah. Yeah. I went through a, a brief period where I was like into card magic and I did a couple card magic tricks. But then like I had this one that was my favorite one, but it was kind of complicated. Like you needed like two minutes to work your way through the whole thing. And then I showed it to a guy and he was like, oh, watch this. And then like he did a different version of it that was just almost instantaneous. Like basically he would just like, thumb through a deck of cards and you told him when to stop and then he'd lift up the card and show it to you and then tell you what it was and like that was it that was the whole trick and i was just like i have to know how to do this trick and i finally convinced him to tell me and then once i learned that trick my brain just offloaded all the other tricks i knew (laughs) now that's the only magic trick i know so i used to know one about a bunch of jacks getting on a like a train but i've forgotten it yeah i used to know that one too that was just about math i think like it was just like yeah math and basically setting up the deck so if you counted the cards well enough you could just boop, 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 boop. yeah well let's move on to what are your morals worth so you've been invited on stage to be the assistant to a very clumsy and awkward magician is he known for that mm-hmm. he's just getting his start so is this just an act <laughs> it's michael sarah fuck up yo. <laughs> He has put a nail into a paper bag no. and shuffled the paper bags. Now, he's given you a secret signal letting you know which bag the nail is in, but you can't say he looks very confident in which <laughs> bag it is. He's just gesturing with his head like, eh? <laughs> So you have to smash this bag as hard as you can. How much am I going to have to pay you to smash this bag? Just one I'm, bag. I'm one bag. Out of four. This is, is going to yep. seem low for what I usually do, but 10000 bucks. Oh, yeah. oh, no. No way. Not a chance. <laughs> it's not rusty. It's it, the surgery. Like, there's no surgery involved. Nope. I mean, really, you're going to be fine even if you pick the wrong bag. Like, you're not going to break any bones. You're not going to tear any tendons. You're just going to have a hole through your hand and just probably a really wicked scar. Nightmares for the rest of my life. Yeah. I mean, I already don't do well with needles. This is terrible. Yeah. Really big needle that holds buildings together. (laughs) One of these bags has a nightmare inside. Now slam your hand down on it. (laughs) I mean, you can pretty much pull it right out. And since it's a little puncture model. I just don't know if I could do it. Yeah. It's not a railroad spike, son. I mean, maybe I am picturing a railroad (laughs) spike. (laughs) This isn't Phineas Gage. You don't have to use your face. (laughs) 50,000 at least. Yeah. That's not too bad, honestly. 75,000. Right <laughs> yeah, that's not too bad either. I was honestly expecting more. Oh, man, that's really going to hurt. I have to like think about no the kind of pain that I could. I mean, but I do like my odds of not hitting yeah, it. 75%. I've stepped on nails before. I got, I'm like half in there. I don't want that either. <laughs> it's not pleasant. Yeah. Can I beat 10,000? Oh, boy. It's just one nail. Yeah. Go lower than Andy and I'll toss in the nail for free. <laughs> If you try a second bag, I'll double your money. (laughs) (laughs) I smashed the first one. There was no nail in it. No, you have to do both hands at once. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, yeah, if you're you're doubling my money, sure. (laughs) Did you hide nails in both of these bags? (laughs) Now it's a 50% chance. In fact, all the bags had nails. That's the trick. Oh, no, I don't. The guy was acting like he was clumsy, but really he just wanted to fuck up my hands. <laughs> yeah, I don't think I can. I'll go with Andy. 10,000. I think I could do it. Really had to brace myself, though. Yeah. No kidding. I'm take a few deep breaths for that one. All right. I think that's all we have for this week. Thanks for tuning in, and we'll see you next time. Bye. Thanks to my co-hosts for joining me today. 
Thanks to Gerard, our awesome editor. And thanks to you for tuning in. If you'd like more information about today's episode, check out our website at acidpoppodcast.podbean.com. You can join us on our subreddit, Acid Pop Podcast. Follow us on Twitter at Acid Pop Podcast for updates almost every month. Or you can send us an email at acidpoppodcast at gmail.com. Thanks for joining us, and we'll see you next time. I'm going to have to go down to a small store to exchange propane for this. Ugh. You want hot dogs, don't you? Ugh, I don't even know anymore.